Hello, you're listening to Linguistically Aware, a 30-minute conversation-based podcast about the ways we use, understand, and think about language. My name is Dusha Nikolic, I'm a grad student of linguistics at the University of Calgary, and I'm sitting down with linguists, experts who study language, to talk about the number of roles language plays in our lives. This is CGSW 90.9 FM broadcasting on the traditional territories of all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 of Southern Alberta. Today, I talk to Svetlana Winters, who teaches a course Language and Advertising at the University of Calgary. We talked about her course, what makes language and advertising special, and why we fall for the tricks used in advertising. So listen and enjoy. Hello, Svetlana. You teach a course at the University of Calgary called Language and Advertising. So why don't we start with that one? What is this course about? Um, So the course Language and Advertising is basically intended to provide students with the understanding of persuasive power of language as it is used in advertising. Um, It focuses on some concepts from uh, psycholinguistics, pragmatic, and sociolinguistics. So I believe this course has been offered for over a decade now at the UFC, and it was originally um, designed and um, developed by a truly inspiring professor, Dr. Julie Sadevi, and I had the privilege of being her teaching assistant several times in this course. But later I took over and I started teaching this course myself. And well, obviously I adapted it based on my research interests and my experience. Uh, but the, you know, a lot of the content of the course as I teach it comes from uh, the book written by Julie Sedevi and Greg Carlson called Sold on Language. And I guess um, this course was when I first started thinking or what made me start thinking that uh, perhaps some linguistic knowledge and skills are in demand in other areas of knowledge, like for example, in marketing. And this is really what uh, drove me and inspired me to try myself in marketing research. And that's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting, really. Uh, Why is the language of marketing or advertising so interesting? Um, Well, you know, I feel that the language of advertising is interesting because, well, for for a number of reasons, really. So first of all, um, you know, we live in the world where advertisements proliferate, right? And uh, they are everywhere we go. And so Mm -hmm. people have trained themselves to ignore them or to at least push them somewhere to the periphery of their attention. And so uh, people working in advertising have to become very creative to learn how to capture the attention of their audience. And so they are so creative in many ways, including in terms of language use. And Mm -hmm. as a result, so I'm just, right now I'm talking as a linguist, right? So uh, for me, studying language and advertising is interesting because, um, because there are some really interesting and innovative formations appearing in advertisements. Uh, some linguists would probably refer to them as products of extra grammatical morphology, like, you know, words like blends, for example, um, I don't know, spooktacular or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, booberry, right? I'm still in the Halloween mode, I guess. Yeah. So uh, those are interesting lexical items that appear in advertising. 
but they don't have to be on the word formation level only. Like there is a lot of lexical ambiguity, let's say in ads, which is also quite intriguing. Like, um, I don't know, your wife is hot. Why don't you get an air conditioner? Things like that. So um, as you can tell, so those um, techniques that advertisers use, they are just really clever, witty, and therefore interesting for people like me. And for those people who know my academic research background, they know that I am very intrigued by lexical innovations. Mm -hmm. So that's from the point of view of uh, linguistics. From the point of view of um, consumerism, well, as a consumer, I should say that we all know that um, language in advertising does have an impact on our choices, on our decisions. And there is a lot of research-based evidence for this claim. And so if it is impactful, then I feel that uh, it is necessary and it is interesting to study how it works and how um, persuasion happens by means of language in in advertising. Yeah, you brought up uh, some interesting points and concepts. Uh, What is it? Uh, that is so interesting about this uh, lexical side, as you say. What is that? Can you maybe explain it to the listeners listening to to this podcast? Well, uh, yes, sure. So um, for those who don't, you know, who don't operate the terminology, so lexemes are basically words, right? So Mm -hmm. what I was talking about is how new words are created in advertisements just kind of for the sake of attracting attention like not so long ago i came across a word like unput downable in an ad for a publisher if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. right so it's just a very unusual word and it's interesting how people come up with those words or at least it's interesting for me and how they are processed whether people understand them or not and what impact they have on the audience can you give uh, like a, a couple of examples of what devices are used or language devices are used in ad- advertisements. On top of my head, I know that Nike, for example, uses Just Do It, mm-hmm. which is a, what they call a triplet. There are three simple words mm-hmm. and, yeah. and there is some sort of a structure to that. Yeah, do you know any other uh, devices similar to this one? Yeah, well, sure. Uh, you brought up Nike and Just Do It. So, you know, one of them, uh, characteristics of advertisements is the use of so-called non-assertions, right? Mm-hmm. So just do it would be an example of imperative mood in the sentence, right? So it's like a command uh, encouraging people to do something. And that's something that differentiates ads, you know, from the uh, language which is used to, I don't know, for example, to inform or to educate, mm-hmm. where there is a more canonical structure with the subject predicate and so on to communicate the information. Right, and so um, ads tend to be more kind of actionable, and there is much less room for language in an ad compared to our everyday communication. Well, if we talk about linguistic devices in general, you know, Dushan, just the fact that I'm talking to you kind of primes me to talk about presuppositions, right? Because I told you, I feel that you are a master of presuppositions. Mm -hmm. And for those who are not familiar with the term, I'll, I'll just explain and provide an example. So in our conversation with Dushan about this interview, Dushan invited me and in the first email, he said something like, "Um, before our interview, I'll send you a Zoom invite or something like this, which if you think about it, when he says our interview, it kind of 
suggests that there is an interview to talk about, right? And yeah. if he says before our interview, it again implies that there's an interview uh, that's been scheduled, right? So that first invitation kind of had this mood as if it already has been agreed upon, right? So this is an example of a presupposition, which is the statement in which a certain linguistic trigger like the pronoun our interview or uh, the preposition before our interview, they trigger some sort of message. They, they suggest that something has been agreed upon. And so this is an effective persuasive technique which is used in advertising a lot. Um, so I guess if I were to think of some examples, um, you know, Dove uses those um, presuppositions a lot, for example, by saying something like claim your beauty or keep your your skin looking healthy and mm -hmm. vibrant, let's say, right? So here's another trigger, keep, that's a change of state verb, where people feel if you need to claim your beauty, this beauty already exists, right? Or if you have to keep your skin looking healthy, then it does look healthy now. And so yeah. here, first of all, you get this positive kind of feeling, right? An association with this ad. Uh, but also another advantage of using a technique like a presupposition is that, um, you know, uh, since there is a feeling that this is something that's been agreed upon, that this is some common knowledge, people are less likely to find some um, counter arguments to this, mm -hmm. uh, to this claim, all right? Um, and so those are just some very positive example. There are examples, um, there are also some less positive examples, which are um exemplifying really the uh, aspirational advertising which is here is what you can be like right so for mm -hmm. example um you know um fight your wrinkles by doing this and that so again there's your wrinkles so they exist if you have mm -hmm. to fight with them uh then they are already there so well this is just one um one technique that is often used in advertisements uh and even though it feels pretty innocent on the surface, uh, there is some experimental evidence showing that people who are exposed to presuppositions, um, so exposure to presuppositions really affects how people perceive and remember reality. This is all, all very, very interesting. Um, you mentioned a lot about the language of persuasion. Is that mm -hmm. the main type of language used in advertising? Yeah, well, you think if you think about um, advertisements in terms of you know the function of the language in them, uh, then you'll under understand that yes, basically the function of ads is persuasion, right? Um, which can be you know viewed in contrast to, for example, education. And I would say that maybe if you looked at um, ads kind of historically, if you compared old advertisements and new advertisements, you would see that there is a lot more language in the old ones compared to the new ones where you'll sometimes find no language at all. Sometimes you'll find some, right? So there is, um, actually I have to say that uh, copywriters have to deal with this challenge of finding the right balance between some language and you know too much of it. And there has been, some research done where um, researchers looked at whether language is actually of benefit in advertisements. And they found that people prefer ads with language to ads without any language. But they also found that it only happens as long as there is not too much of it. 
Yeah, and so if you think about um, language of persuasion, it is different from language, for example, uh, that is meant to educate people. Uh, and it's different um, along several dimensions. And, you know, if we think about, let's say, education, when people are trying to deliver some message, they are trying to avoid things like ambiguity and obscurity at all costs, right? Because they need to get the message across. They often repeat the claims made or they the language is pretty repetitive. They use mostly assertions, as I said before. But in persuasive language, as you know, in ads, very often ambiguity is actually something preferred. And as I said at the beginning, uh, lexical or syntactic ambiguity can often be found in ads just because it creates some additional associations and meanings and potentially attracts attention. Hello, listeners. You're listening to Linguistically Aware, a spoken word program about language use. Today's guest is Vipana Winters, and she has some amazing things to say about language in advertising. So let's keep listening. More exciting material is to come. Is ambiguity in advertisements always a good thing? Having some ambiguity or some puzzle buried in the commercial or in an ad in any sort of mode uh, of delivery has a lot of advantages to it. You know, so, um, well, yeah. maybe let me give you an example. So you brought up Nike and uh, an ad that came to my mind as you were talking was, uh, it's not a new one, it's pretty old, I think. It's one of Michael Jordan scoring a goal so he was jumping up really high and scoring mm-hmm. a goal. And so there were two lines in that ad. One said, uh, Michael Jordan, one point. Uh, Isaac Newton, zero. Right? Oh, so okay. <laughs> here, the viewers would have to think a little bit, right, to get the message. So basically, they have to find association. Uh, Isaac Newton, gravity, you know, jumping, Michael Jordan, his shoes. Yeah. and. The alternative to uh, to presenting this message via implicature, if I use a linguistic term, uh, the alternative would be to say something like, Nike shoes help Michael Jordan jump up high. You know, and if somebody mm-hmm. said that, the audience would very likely find some very convincing arguments against this claim, right? <laughs> because that's, yeah. well, that's a ridiculous claim. But when they have to work on it to get that message, well, thing number one, they have already invested a lot of cognitive effort into figuring out the puzzle and a lot less of cognitive resources are left for them to find some counter arguments now, right? Another advantage is that they really generated this meaning themselves and we are much less likely to question something that we came up with ourselves just as human beings. Yeah, that's true. That yeah, makes sense. Uh, right. And well, one more argument I guess I can uh, offer you is that Perhaps when people looked at this ad and, you know, they reached the moment of insight, they understood what it's about. This moment of insight is usually accompanied by some pleasurable feelings about yourself, right? And your, your mm-hmm. smarts. And this positive feeling, this pleasure will be associated with the product being advertised when you think about it in the future. So you see there are many, many advantages, at least in my opinion, and, um, There has been some experimental evidence, again, uh, to support this, of using those really interesting, ambiguous claims or, you know, Mm -hmm. metaphors or any sort of uh, implicature in advertising. What's what's an implicature 
all of the ads are basically implicatures, but can you clarify that for the listeners? Yeah, sure. So implicature, it's basically this um, linguistic device which makes people, I would say, read between the lines, mm -hmm. right? So it is stating something that on the surface appears possibly irrelevant. Uh, and uh, as a result, people are looking for the connection between the product itself, right? And the, what is being said. So they read between the lines and they infer a meaning. But implicature usually arises from the violation of maxims of cooperative communication. If you look back at the Isaac Newton um, advertisement, so you will think, how is Isaac Newton relevant to mm. Nike shoes, right? So in this case, we see that uh, a cooperative communicator would only mention something that is relevant to the product in question. And if something seems irrelevant on the surface, we are trying to then find the connection, find this relevance, right? And this is how we are looking for some meaning that is hidden in it. Mm -hmm. I wonder uh, how aware are we of the language used in advertising? Well, you know, I think very similarly to how we are unaware of language we use in everyday life, in the same mm -hmm. way we are quite unaware of the language used in advertising. Like, and it's, I feel it's just natural and normal. For example, how many people without any specialized training in linguistics do you know who can tell you for example, when they use aspirated T's and P's, right? They just do it without really understanding how it works. So in the yeah. same way, people are exposed to ads and they understand them or they create ads very often without really any understanding of the linguistic theory behind it and of the mechanisms. And I think it's true not only of uh, an average person, but also just based on my experience of talking to some copywriters and mm -hmm. um, you know uh, going through some training in this area I feel that uh, people who create ads they don't always really understand how language in the ads really works they simply follow their intuitions and yeah. often they hit the nail on the head you know without really understanding the theoretical basis for for the, their success mm -hmm. which is why I always say it's very good for advertising agencies to have at least one linguist on their staff who could help them figure it out and uh, make sure that however they linguistically package the messages in their advertisements, that it will have the intended impact. From the side of consumerism, is it important to raise awareness of the language or, or of the structure of, the, of these ads? Um, so I feel that it is important to raise awareness of how language is used in advertising simply because of the world we live in, right? We're exposed to ads every step we go. So they yeah. are everywhere and attempts to persuade us are everywhere. And whether we want to admit it or recognize it or not, they do have an effect on our behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, so if something affects our choices, our behavior, I feel like it's important to understand how it works. And this knowledge will empower us to, as you said, resist the persuasion attempts, right? And have more control and more freedom in making our decisions and choices. However, I want to make a point here too, that, uh, you know, advertising is not only about selling stuff. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of good things that can be done with advertising too. And uh, I, can, I can provide some examples. Um, 
from my experience of working with students. And, you know, students at universities, they have this amazing creative potential that blows my mind, <laughs> part yeah. of this expression. Um, so in the course, and I'll just go back to your very first question about the course mm -hmm. language and advertising. So part of this course is um, doing a group project. And uh, some of my students, they, they did some amazing things and they used their knowledge of linguistics to be persuasive in working towards what they feel makes the world a better place. Right. So, for example, there was one group. Uh, it was my first time teaching language and advertising. And so that group of students decided that they want to help an animal shelter in Medicine Hat to raise the adoption rates for cats. And so they created an advertising campaign, uh, which was called uh, Cats in the Hat, the hat referring to Medicine Hat, um, oh. where they basically they mimicked the style of the famous book by Dr. Zeus. Uh, the cat in the hat, yeah. um, where they created rhymes for the cats in this shelter for every individual cat. And then they created some artwork, which kind of mimicked the imagery of Dr. Zeus books. And they partnered with the local newspaper where they placed those ads for the cats. Oh, and they nice. had a three week, yeah, three week long campaign. And so as a result of that, I honestly don't remember the exact numbers, but I do remember that they increased the cat adoption rates by over 100%. And wow. they also increased yeah, the, their social media outreach by over 50% that way. And that's just one example. You know, there are also some really good things that students were trying to do with their final projects. Like, for example, there was um, a project where students were trying to convince Canadians to visit museums more. Mm -hmm. or uh, to wear masks during the pandemic. Or there was a student who created some ads to convince kids to eat broccoli. And honestly, in my experience, it worked with my child. <laughs> so wow, I just nice. want to make it, yeah, I just want to make a point that um, it is true uh, that ads, most of them are trying to sell something, but they're not all evil, <laughs> right? And yeah. sometimes yeah. those persuasive campaigns, they are just trying to make the world a better place too. My next question would be why ads uh, don't always say what they mean or mean what they say. We mentioned, you mentioned a couple of nice examples about that. Because this is how people communicate. Uh, and I'll just, I'll give you an example. So, you know, as we, you and I were talking about the time for this interview, uh, this podcast, for example, uh, I told you, you know, one o'clock works, works best for me. And you told me, I have a meeting at one o'clock on Thursday, right? You didn't have to tell me I cannot have a meeting with you at one o'clock on Thursday, mm. right? You just, you said something totally different, right? But as, um, you know, as a sane person, I could infer that Dushan is yeah. unavailable at this time, right? And so then we found a different time. Or like, for example, as I was um going to log on and you know have this conversation with you i told my husband i have a meeting with dushan in two minutes which to him sounded like you know wrap up whatever you're doing mm -hmm. and take care of our daughter while uh, i am doing this so just generally speaking this is simply how people communicate um and but ads obviously they have some there are some advantages to communicating this way in mm -hmm. advertising right and um I guess I started talking about this when I uh, brought up the whole Michael Jordan ad, right? Mm -hmm. So 
when we don't really say directly what we mean, we present this cognitive puzzle for the audience, right? And then yeah. as a result, the audience has to work on it, but then they remember it longer. If they work on it harder, they are less likely to find counter arguments. They are more likely to have some positive association with this whole thing. Uh, another, of course, advantage is that sometimes it's possible for people in advertising to say something controversial, sometimes mm -hmm. maybe something scandalous, which obviously attracts attention without really saying it directly, right? And maybe even avoiding some um, sort of taking responsibility for those words because they were never actually said. Um, yeah, so that's kind of one point. Um, you also started talking about um, subconscious and uh, using, you know, appealing to the subconscious level uh, in advertising. I guess I, I just want to make another point here. It is true. Uh, so advertisers or copywriters are often trying to get below the surface of your consciousness. And one of the ways of doing that is by consistently creating um, an associative network between a certain product or a brand and some abstract concepts that are appealing to people. And yeah. so the classic example that comes to my mind is uh, the campaign done by Edward Bernays, who was actually Sigmund Freud's nephew. And so he led a campaign uh, in which they were trying to get women to buy cigarettes and smoke them in public, which was considered to be a taboo, right? And he worked mm -hmm. for Lucky Strikes uh, on that project. So instead of persuading women to buy cigarettes, they approached it as persuading them to buy the torches of freedom, right? And it's a direct quote. So they oh, called okay. cigarettes torches of freedom. So they used this metaphor there. Yeah. And this so this way you know if they continued uh, building that associative network women would have the associations cigarettes equality you know emancipation freedom and so on mm -hmm. and so when you have that sort of associations built in your mind then uh the priming effects effect occurs right so uh maybe well yeah so i'll just i'll finish this and i'll give you a more contemporary example yeah. So, for example, when um, you know those women who were exposed to the uh, to this campaign, and if it um, if it caught their attention, then we would say that once they looked at cigarettes, in their mind the associations, as I said, freedom, equality, and so on, yeah. would be activated, right? Or they would come to the surface of their mind. And the opposite also works when they think about equality, emancipation, freedom, and so on the association with cigarettes would also come up on their minds. But just because this is how priming works, this is how our subconscious works. Uh, and I guess a good contemporary example of building such associative networks would be Tim Hortons. Uh, so I don't know, Dushan, do you have any any associations with Tim Hortons when you think about uh, it? I do. French vanilla and bits <laughs> for sure. Okay, so you are a coffee drinker. Yeah, yeah. something sweet, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you see, well, um, you and I, you know, we haven't, we were not born and raised in North America. Yeah. So we might uh, not have the whole history of relationship with Tim Hortons, right? But uh, some people I asked who were born and raised here, they talk about how, oh, Tim Hortons is associated with all things Canadian to them. Obviously coffee, obviously mm -hmm. Timbits, but also 
things like hockey and Wayne Gretzky and, you know, community and neighborhood and cold and toucan mittens, things oh, like yeah. that. Just because all those words are skillfully uh, co-occurring in all sorts of communications coming from Tim Hortons over the years, right? And so they're building and strengthening this associative network that is now at a subconscious level in many people's minds who are exposed to this. Um, so yeah, this is how it works. And uh, even though, you know, there are some ethical issues with manipulating the, the subconscious, I do find this idea of equating a product or a brand or a service with some abstract concept really intriguing and interesting. What is your take-home message for the listeners? Uh, why should we care about language in advertisements or in marketing in general? And uh, how should we pay, pay more attention to it? Whether should we do that? Is, that's, also, that's also a question. Well, you know, um, I guess the general uh, suggestion for everybody is if you have time and cognitive resources to pay attention and to approach messages that you are exposed to more analytically, then do that, right? Because uh, as I said, we live in the world where we are surrounded by attempts to persuade us. And if we want to have more control over our decisions and over our choices, then it is good to understand how those how persuasion works and how um, how language mechanisms or language tools um, are used to persuade us. So if you can, you know, do some reading and just pay attention to what is being said to you, and this might give you some freedom. That was Vetlana Winters, a phenomenal research analyst and a great expert in language and advertising. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the upcoming episodes of Linguistically Aware on CJSW 90.9 FM radio station.